Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful, and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Our Father and our Creator, our Lord and our Redeemer, we approach you now in the name of Jesus, the Son. In his name we pray and ask that your Spirit would be with us. We ask that you would cause us to understand your Word. We ask that you would cause us all to trust in and hope in and place faith in Jesus. We ask that we would all be overwhelmed with who you are and what you throughout all ages have consistently and faithfully done for your people. We plead all of this in the name of Jesus and for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Friends, it's great to see you this morning. If you haven't done so already, please take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 26, where Dylan was just reading for us. We at Redeemer are working our way through the book of Matthew. And um, kind of quick review, we have moved from the last week of the life of Jesus to the last couple days of the life of Jesus. And here we are on Thursday of Holy Week, and Jesus will ultimately die on Friday. And um, what happens in this passage is what we as modern Christians and Christians throughout the ages have known as the Lord's Supper uh, is instituted by Jesus. What's vitally important for us to see today is Jesus wasn't making something new up, but rather He was taking a long-established symbol and sign of God's goodness and faithfulness and saying, I'm the answer to that. I am your sign of God's goodness and faithfulness. So Jesus is ultimately establishing something new by reaching deep into something that is old. 
So we're going to consider that this morning. Now, before we dive in, there are a few verses in here, verses 21 through 25, that speak of Judas betraying Jesus. Uh, And so last week's sermon had a kind of overriding focus on the betrayal of Jesus, and and next week's sermon is going to return to that a little bit as well. So instead of us having three consecutive betrayal sermons, I'm going to leave those verses for next week and, and, and plead with you to go listen to last week's service if you weren't able to be with us. And if you still have questions, uh, call me and I'll get one of our staff members to answer them all. Sound good? I'm just kidding. I'd be happy to, to wrestle with you. These are some, some difficult passages. Um, so this morning's sermon is entitled Something to Remember. Um, something to Remember. And um, if you're new to the Bible, we're thankful that you're here. What's going to happen this morning is we're going to use a lot of christian kind of Bible words because that's where they are. And we'll do our best to explain them and make them memorable. So the, the first point, remember Egypt. Remember Egypt. Look at verse 17. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? Now, there's a ton lobbed into that simple verse. But the first day of unleavened bread would have been the first day of a seven to eight day um, celebration season where all the Jewish folks would have gotten all of the leaven, all of the yeast out of their homes. And then at the beginning of that week of unleavened bread was the day of the Passover, where all of the Jewish folks would celebrate the Passover. And so ultimately, the disciples are asking Jesus, like, okay, this is the day, where will we have the meal? So celebrating the Passover was having a formal celebratory meal together. Um, And so Jesus says, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house. The disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. Now, verse 18 could be interpreted as Jesus made a Prediction of the future. I'm cool with that. Like he said, go look for a man that's like this, and when you ask him this, he's going to say, sure, bring 30 or 100 of your closest friends and have the Passover at my house. That's great. Or it could, has been interpreted that Jesus had made preparation in advance and said, Go find this guy, tell him the time is at hand, and he'll say, sure. That's a great way to interpret it as well. Or a third interpretation, historically, has been that Jesus knew in that part of Jerusalem of someone very devoted to him, and all they had to say was, the teacher says my time is at hand, and he would say, sure. Okay, this is a classic Bible thing where we don't have to get lost in the details. Like, like Jesus 
made a way for he and his followers to celebrate the Passover. That's what we're going to take from that, okay? I, for one, and I would hope you, for the rest, have no problem with the miraculous, have no problem with the idea that Jesus could tell what's going to come. He's been saying for his whole life he was going to die and rise on the third day. But, at the, but what we take from this is Jesus sent his disciples into the city, told them what to look for, and they were provided a place to have the Passover together. Verse 20, when it was evening, he reclined at table with the 12. So Jesus is having Passover with his disciples. Um, here's the importance of that. Faithful people of Yahweh annually celebrated Passover because Yahweh commanded them to do so. Faithful people of the one true God annually celebrated Passover because the one true God commanded them to do so. Why? He commanded them annually to remember the Passover as a way to remember that God always keeps his word. And God always keeps his promises. And God is always faithful to his people. What the Passover was is a remembrance of when God delivered his people out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. So this is the story of the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, God's people were in Egypt, in slavery, and the people were crying out, Lord, will you deliver us? And God delivered his people from Egypt and defeated Pharaoh and Pharaoh's army. Pharaoh and his army being kind of the empirical king of the world in that day. And so God showed himself to be stronger than, more powerful than, and able to deliver his people from the greatest power in the world. One more thing. We often in this Exodus story hear about the ten plagues. Everybody know the ten plagues? We, we had the frogs and the gnats. And every one of those plagues pointed toward a false god that Egyptians worshipped. So not only was God showing his power over all earthly powers, but he was displaying his power over all false deities. I am not only able to deliver you, but I am the one God who is greater than all. That's what's playing out in the Passover, okay? Now, if you're a Bible scholar, student, reader at all, the Egyptians were about 13 seconds away from their deliverance before they started questioning God's faithfulness. I mean, like, they made it, like, nowhere, you know? Like, if you ever try to go on vacation and you're still in Hendersonville and your kids are like, are we there yet? Like, what do you mean? We just passed your school. That's kind of how this played out for the Israelites. Instead of, like, are we there yet, it was, can we go back? We're not sure you're going to take care of us, right? So the Lord, I would argue in love and in compassion and in mercy, and he instituted this Passover celebration to annually 
push remembrance out to his people and annually cause his people to teach the next generation about his goodness and faithfulness in Egypt. Okay, that's, that's the long version of saying this. The Passover was about remembering how God was faithful to his people in Egypt. And Jesus, as a faithful Jew, and the disciples as faithful Jews, are doing what the Lord has commanded them. They are, they are remembering and celebrating the Passover. So let's just pause there before we even get into the rest of it. What I would encourage you to take away from Jesus and his disciples remembering the Passover would be this. I need to set up intentional ways to remember God, God's goodness, and God's faithfulness. But the scripture's just filled with this. Like, God knows our human weakness, and so he's constantly setting up celebrations and remembrances and stacks of rocks in the middle of rivers and all kinds of things to force his people to remember what he has done for them. So no matter how good you think your memory is, like, okay, I'm in my mid-40s, so I'm starting to think like a 90-year-old. Like, it's just nuts. Cloudy, wake up in the morning, can't remember your name, like grasping for straws. Anybody besides me feel this? Okay, thank you, Michael. We have one honest person here at Redeemer today. Um, that, that's a little humorous, but yet I think spiritually, like we all need these remembrances. Like, like we, we tell our kids, like you need to write down things you're supposed to do so you don't forget. And they kind of just look at us and laugh like, no, we don't. But when it comes to these places where the Lord's been abundantly kind and good and faithful, we need to set up intentional routines, intentional stops and spots where we remember God's goodness and faithfulness to us. Um, so if you're a journaler, journal away. If you're a verbal processor, Find someone regularly you can talk about these things with. Like, what is something that the Lord has done in your life and world this week? I just think it's good to talk about it. Um, I had a friend. Uh, he's no longer with us. Apparently, he was a journaler. By the way, I'm not a journaler, and I'm trying hard not to take digs at all the journalers here today. Um, but he was. And so I saw him one November, and he rattled off an exact number. I don't remember the exact number, but he was like, God's answered 973 of my prayers this year. Like, that's a really specific way to say lots. He's like, yeah, I wrote them all down. Everything I prayed, I wrote it down, and then I go back and I review it, and I'm like, look at how God answered that. Look at how God answered that. Like, some of you guys are like, oh, I'm going to go buy a notebook as soon as this service is over. You know what? I'll just do it off Amazon right now while this guy's still talking. I can feel it in the room. If you could at least wait till when Dan's back up here singing to, to do your Amazon order, I'd appreciate it. Um, great. But, but I, I think what we take from the Passover 
the Lord giving them an annually instituted, ongoing, I want you to remember all that I've done, then I think we need to do something. And I'll give you some flexibility on the something to cause us to remember all that God has done. I'll give you one that requires you no effort. If you're in a small group here at Redeemer, men's group, women's group, community group, I guarantee you there's, one, there's a thread on some app that has prayer requests on it. Right? Am I right? Guarantee it. Just go scroll a couple months back through that and just be like, hey, can we see what God is, is doing in, in the lives of our church? Uh, ladies, y'all, y'all only have to go back like two screenshots. Like, Men, we'll have to dig a little harder. We, we have some sharing problems amongst ourselves, but we'll figure it out, okay? So one of the things is we need to remember God's faithfulness, which means we have to find ways to intentionally do that. Uh, second, before we leave this, we, when I say we, I, I'm speaking of those, well, no, I'll just go we. We are tasked with passing the faith to the next generation. We're tasked with passing the faith to the next generation. The Lord built that into this whole Passover thing. Like, um, the Lord wants all that he's done for one generation to be told to the next generation, and then to be told to the next generation, and then to be told to the next generation. And so, a Passover celebration was just a piece of an annual pie where telling of what God had done would be passed to the next generation. In several of the other remembrances laid out in the Old Testament, the Lord even said, I want you to do this so that when your children say, what's up with that, you have to tell them why you built that, right? So the Lord is very interested in the faith being passed to the next generation. And some of you who are here today you're single or you're married and you don't have kids. I, I still think, I'm trying to take this a little more broadly, I still think there's a vital and important place for all of us to be active in helping the faith move forward to another generation. And then I would also say to all of you who do have kids, there's a vital importance to not make those who don't feel inferior or lesser than or like they're missing out. We'll all be called to be faithful to where the Lord would have us to be. But if you have kid and you would prayerfully yearn for someone to help your child know the Lord, just pop your hand in the air. Yeah, please, come Lord Jesus, amen, right? Like, like help. So I just think we take from this Passover thing, the Lord is interested in, vitally interested in the faith being passed to the new generation. So this pushes us to our second point, because something happens in this Passover that had never happened before and that would change the way Passover is remembered for those who are Christ followers. And so that pushes us to our second point, remember Jesus. 
Verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples. Now just stop there and stop reading. Everybody look up from your Bible. This part right here was part and parcel of every Passover celebration. The leader would take bread and break it and bless it and give it to everyone. Okay, so we're just doing Passover basics, right? Now, take, eat. This is my body. So now what Jesus is saying is this bread, which points to God's past faithfulness, is now a symbol of my body. It's a symbol of of me being broken for you. Verse, Verse 27, and he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, stop, look up. This is part and parcel of every Passover celebration. They actually filled the cup, said a blessing, and drank it four times. But this particular one, the third one, the cup of redemption, Jesus said, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You see what he just did there? He said, the cup that remembers your redemption in Egypt, I now say to you is the cup that points to my blood, which is your ultimate Redemption. So here's what Jesus is doing. He's doing something that's either gloriously beautiful or robustly heretical. And there's no space in between. He's saying this bread and this cup that remind you of how God faithfully delivered you out of Egypt, I now say they are symbols of my body and my blood and the redemption that I bring. Ultimately, Jesus is saying, I'm your pathway to the faithful God. I'm your pathway to know the love and mercy and compassion and faithfulness of God. What you've remembered for millennia is now fulfilled and complete in me. Matthew's version doesn't add what Mark and Luke and John do But Jesus also adds, and as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so he's giving his people a new remembrance. Bread and cup to remember that Christ lived, Christ died, Christ rose again, and salvation and deliverance and hope and mercy and grace flow Through Jesus. The God of the Passover is the God of the supper because Jesus was always the plan. And so we as Christians, we no longer celebrate Passover because we celebrate the supper. We no longer celebrate Passover because regularly we eat the bread and we drink the cup to to recall and call to mind and be renewed again in 
Jesus and what he has accomplished for us. So in celebrating the Passover, Jesus is doing two things. He's being faithful and he's offering himself as the greater Passover lamb, as the one who was slain to take away the sins of the world and redeem God's people and make them his own forever. So, a few thoughts. One, we take the Lord's Supper regularly, and regularly for us at Redeemer means weekly, and if you're a part of another church and regularly means something else, as long as it's regular, that's fine. But we take the supper regularly because we know that we need to be remembering Jesus and what he has done for us. Second, the purpose of the Passover and the purpose of the Lord's Supper is not a warm, fuzzy feeling. It is a remembering Christ because we need to remember Christ. So here in a few minutes, we're going to pass the cup and we're going to pass the bread. And what I hope happens as you hold them, as you think about, I'm a sinner and Jesus offered his body and his blood to take away my sin that I could be called a child of God. And in this, I hope. And third, this is a little Redeemer inside baseball. Each year during Holy Week, we have a Messianic Passover Seder. Now let me tell you why we do that. We don't do that because we think Christians need to have an annual Passover celebration. We don't believe that. We do that as a teaching tool Because the the best way to understand what the Lord's Supper is, is to understand what was unfolding as Jesus instituted it. Like the bread and the cup weren't just abstract things. Like he wasn't just kind of sitting at the table and like, yeah, give me some of that bread and yeah, we'll we'll take the cup, you know. Um, Like I don't think the Lord's Supper should be replaced with French fries and ketchup, right? Like, Like the symbols have meaning because the symbols are rooted in a centuries old celebration. So at Redeemer, just want you to know, we're not trying to go back to Judaism. We're not trying to go back to um, anything except that we want everyone as much as possible to make this connection that this passage is making between the Passover and the supper. And um, that's why we have that celebration. So today, Verse 29, I tell you, Jesus said, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So Jesus is here saying that the supper is an act 
of waiting for the kingdom that Jesus will bring that will last forever. So here in just a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And as practiced here at Redeemer, the Lord's Supper is for everyone who is a Christian, meaning everyone who belongs to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so as we take the bread and we take the cup, what we are doing is we're looking back to remember what Jesus has done for us. And we're looking forward, longing for Christ to come again. Because all of our hope is hinged in what Christ has done, what Christ is doing, and what Christ will do to build his kingdom for the glory of his name. So our Father and our God, we pray now that you would take these words from your scripture. And as much as they're true, as much as they're right, as much as they're faithful to your word, imprint them upon us. Lord, we plead for your help. We plead for you to teach us. We do so in Jesus' name.